destroying the entire universe. Welcome to Radio Free Demos, an Ixundraconis fan podcast broadcasting from a post-Demos orbit on Voltaire Station. This is Radio Free Demos, episode 65. Welcome to TTI. Tonight's episode is sponsored by Transcendent Implants. Want to warm up a cup of coffee or end all life in the universe? We've got you covered. Warranty avoided by the ending of all life in the universe. Conditions may apply. Boy, how can anything that big hide for so long a time? Yeah. I wonder what their next move will be. So, what's new in the world of Ixun Draconis? Uh, the big news is that the Kickstarter for the DM's Guide and Monster Book is launching very soon, probably late November or December. And I think this definitely qualifies as a long-awaited book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They've been teasing that one for about a year now, I think. Anyway, neat stuff. We are really looking forward to this one. Emmy hasn't had a lot of time to write because we can kind of begin with she lives on the West Coast and just work from there. So it's really exciting. Yeah. <laughs> the DM's Guide will definitely expand on you know, a lot of what's already built out as a framework in the original books and kind of move some of the lore forward a couple of steps and kind of an evolving universe. But I, I think the Monster Manual is really going to be one of the big, not necessarily a surprise because we know about it, but one of the big ads to the content because the core books were really light on adversaries. There were a couple of options, but a lot of it really turned into, well, your adversaries are probably going to be other vectors, so we're going to leave you to make that up. And that works, but it is not unifying, especially between different campaigns. Yeah, so some guidelines as to what strange non-human things might, what directions they might go are helpful. The GM may choose to go a different direction, but it's a starting point. I did get a chance to use the rules for Pulse's weird biogenetic monstrosities for competitive use in the game we ran a couple of months ago. So that was kind of fun. They regenerate a lot. (laughs) I know that we're going to have historical settings, so that should be kind of fun. Probably break them up along things like, you know, the spacefaring age, that sort of thing. So I'm really looking forward to that. I hope that gives us some more kind of broad historical markers to kind of evaluate HSD's history because there's not a lot of canon there quite yet. So is that aggressive regeneration why there are so many portable blenders sitting around in that adventure? I mean, it is Pulse, so you have monstrosities and martinis. When you can snatch the martini from the blender, then you are worthy. (laughs) (laughs) It has taken you centuries to even grasp what we developed eons of your years ago. Things that are new from Radio Free Demos, not that much, but I do want to plug a new podcast project I'm working on. If you remember back in Christmas 2016 when we had episode 8, we had a guest host named Victoria who really liked Krampus, and she was with us for the episode on holidays. She and I are working on a new podcast called The Dispatchist. It's all about hell, which is a perfect topic for 2020. We're not on iTunes quite yet, but you can listen to the first two episodes on our website, uh, dispatch.ist. It's probably not for everybody, but I hope it's for somebody. 
It is definitely for me. We've received messages from their spaceships. For a while, it came in as just a lot of jumbled noise. So, Transcendent Technologies. This is the last of the corpse that we're going to be able to cover because we're not going to cover Lumen. There's <laughs> just not enough there. Also, you can't play Lumen. I did a quick page count looking through Sound and Silence, and Marsco has like 14 pages, and TTI has like 18 pages. I think this really proves that TTI is kind of the darling corporation of the game, but I don't think anybody would really argue with me on that one anyway. I think they really like invented big red buttons for HSD because they've pressed the big red button several times to destroy the entire universe. That is a really good big red button. But fortunately, they had an undo button before they pressed it. Right, right. I mean, they pressed them both at the same time, pretty much. <laughs> Reflecting the, in the games we've played, I don't think we've any of our our crew has played TTI, right? Kaim had like half TTI. Okay, okay. Yeah, but no, I think we just haven't gone down the mad science route enough in our games, which is definitely a direction you can take a TTI character. Right, and, and honestly, can I, Cor Corbo, you're the, the one who would yeah, be likely to do that, yeah. Yeah, I am the big red button masher. I'm just not like a huge TTI fan. I mean, they're neat, they're interesting, but they're I think they're kind of dark, and I just haven't wanted to play that in HSD. Yeah. I don't, they don't have to be. I think you could play like a good Ghostbusters campaign using them, but... Also really hard to do half TTI without going all TTI. Yeah. Like you, you, y'all are kind of doing it in the campaign, but it's really hard to like flit around the edges of TTI space without being sucked completely in. Right. The yeah. other mega corporations you can you can contract for, you can do a couple of things for, but TTI really gives you the sense of once you go TTI, you don't extricate yourself. You 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 either don't get in or you get in and learn secrets that can't leave. Yeah, TTI as presented in the books, or at least the original books, does seem to be really insular. Maybe we'll find a little bit less of that in the revised books, but I don't think so. I think they kind of set up enclaves a fair bit. They're, they're a bit monoculture. They're also really small. True, true. Smallest of the megacorps, I believe. I wonder which one is tinier, Pulse or TTI? Probably. I think it'd be between Spyglass or TTI. No, Pulse is the smallest of the of the original megacorps, because nobody stays in Pulse very long. <laughs> Spyglass, I bet Spyglass is like the, the second smallest, though, because they're just not very popular and they're kind of repressed. Mm-hmm. But no, yeah, I think it's a toss-up between TTI and Pulse. Pulse just has the smallest number of, like, real Pulse employees out there. But they have the most fans. They do, they do. And it may be really fun to live in a Pulse town, but, like, a real, like, Pulse-slash-Pulse character is probably going to be a, a very small minority. People just can't stand the stress. Yeah, I guess <laughs> Pulse, you have the, the a high employee mortality rate, but TTI, you'd have a high city just isn't there anymore, right? <laughs> <laughs> city? What city? There was never a city there. It's like, always yeah. been a, a hemispherical, caved-out depression. Well, in the in the color text story in um, Exundraconis Core Extended, they have two characters that are trying to leave the corporation, and it really doesn't go well for them. I think they are assassinated. Now, those are very special, high-ranking characters who have like a very special, high-ranking child, and they all have like PCs on their foreheads tattooed there. 
but still it kind of sets the tone for P- for TTI as a um, conspiracy more than a corp in some ways. I don't know. Your mileage may vary. TTI history. This one goes way back, and more so than the other corps, the history that's on paper is a little different from the history that turns up in Sound and Silence. They have more secrets, so lots of spoilers today. Bear that in mind. The first mention of TTI in the canon text is somewhere around 322, where they have their first mission to Europa. Uh, that predates the establishment of the Europa colonies by a good hundred years. They go there, and then they return back to the inner ring with secrets about life found underneath the oceans of Europa, and they press for money as Marsco is terraforming Venus, saying, hey, you're probably destroying lots of native life. We want to do something a little more environmentally friendly up in Europa. Do you want to throw money at us? Get some of the guilt off your chest? Marsco says yes. And then very soon they are on their way to terraform Europa. And not really terraform, but colonize. Totally not terraform. I I would hazard that many, many plans change when Europe is involved. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what they knew before they set forth to colonize. Quite a lot actually. So two waves of ships leave the inner ring for uh, Europa. The first one is the Orca bioprobes and some exploration units and things like that. The second wave is colonists. I'm guessing they're about six months apart. We don't really know. Sometime after wave one arrives, but before wave two, the monolith is discovered and extraterrestrial life is confirmed. Big intelligent extraterrestrial life. And then we lose track of the bioprobes and they go feral and vanish and go a little insane. But the colonists land anyway. Yay. After that, we jump forward ahead to a little after 500. This is just after the Whisper invasion starts, during the darkest part of the Whisper recession, where all of Seoul is on lockdown and there's no transportation, and everybody's afraid that they're harboring this dark life form. And TTI announces that they've captured a Whisper. And this kind of starts their quick climb upward to Megascorp status and gives a lot of hope to the system that really needs it at the time. If only they knew. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. And then later on, they restock Europa with new life, filling its oceans with strange tentacled things. Uh, Mid-500s, they establish the Spear of Heaven and start building up. Uh, also mid-500s, they have transcendent implants, uh, designer life, bioships. And this is probably like the really big glory days of TTI. It's when they become a household name. It's when they become big. When they really earn the ranking of Megacorp. I skipped ahead there. Somewhere in the late 400s, we have hostility with Progenitus. Uh, somewhere before Europa is fully colonized, they develop Vitae, and that becomes a big problem between those two corporations, as we covered in the Progenitus episodes. The next time they're in the news is the Ruby Spire period, around 600, and all we really know about them then is that they're kind of slowing down their operations and entering kind of a quiet phase for some reason, kind of pulling out of the limelight. Also in the early 600s, we have rumors of kind of weird behavior in Europa. That's when the mass suicides are beginning. People respond to the singing of the orcas by killing themselves in large numbers. More superstition, more kind of irrational TTI behavior starts popping up. In the late 600s, the ships around Europa start to kind of establish what could be charitably called a defensive posture. 
or more accurately called a battle fleet or a blockade. This seems to kind of parallel the development of the Ruby Spire plotline. Maybe it's tied to the Pulse invasion of Terra. I don't know. Then we get up to modern era where TTI is really not taking a lot of strong action, is kind of steering people away from the attack on the Spire, and I think they're probably at their quietest that they've ever been at that period. That covers the written history of TTI. After that, we can go into Sound and Silence, which I believe is fair to spoil officially at this point, since it's been around for like two years now. So the beginning of TTI, hard to pin down exactly, but they were certainly active in like the 300s or so, or before then. But the first instance of transcendence and transcendent technologies we get about 20 years before the fall of humanity. Around 20 to 30 years before humanity goes foom, Terran researchers start getting radio feedback from Europa suggesting something is there uh, under the ice. Terra uses something like radio telemetry to get an outline of the monolith and start getting data about its structure and how it's built, what kind of weird geometric anomalies there are. They do the brilliant thing of printing it in a geomat, so they get their own model of the... They get a model of the monolith. The architecture is completely non-Euclidean and seems to incorporate some sort of portal-type thing. I don't know. Energy goes in and it doesn't come out. Energy comes out that doesn't have a source. It's totally unmappable, uh, and yet it is printable, so go molecular printing. With standard, proper Lovecraftian scholarship, that think tank that was working on this starts to you know, expand the design, learn how transcendent glyphs work, go insane, commit suicide, develop strange cancers, all that good stuff. And ultimately, they create, if that is indeed the word, Hydra. And then all life ends on Earth very quickly thereafter. Jump ahead to maybe the late 200s. The proto-company of TTI is studying human history and its destruction before they go to Europa. So this is probably like 275 or so. They've looked into the OWL incident. They know what Project Echo was all about. That's the research into the monolith on Terra. They know a lot of stuff, and they know these things before they set off to go to Europa. So when they land in like 320, it's likely they already know at least some of what they're expecting. And certainly when they bring the bioprobes to Europa a uh, hundred years later, they're well aware that TTI technology can infect living creatures. They may not know the full implication of what that means, but they know it can happen because they study the owls. The dates for this next chunk are not well documented, and they may not actually be knowable because at this point TTI starts playing with time travel. There's no such thing as time travel. So around here is when we get into Project Recursion. This is TTI's big reset button. The story here, again, huge spoilers, is that TTI uses the Echo Implant, which is what we had back on Terra, to create a save point for the universe, test scientific theories in it, destroy the universe, and return to the original time over and over again. And they do this about 15 times. Was it really... about 15? Because they definitely stopped. They stopped at 15. Because at that point, their research team kind of died a horrible death. I'm going to have to go reread that section, because 
I remember that uh, slightly differently. I remember that they realized that about that time that they weren't actually rewinding time. They were simply skipping dimensions and leaving the previous dimension to its horrible death. And they kind of realized that each of those horrible deaths was actually feeding power into elsewhere. Both are true, and both are written <laughs> into the sacred text, Ashtar. It may have taken them a while to realize what they were doing, because some of that information was probably uh, written down by Tyne Heimdall, the you know, writer of the uh, Nephilim Codex, the Bible of Transcendent Technology, and one of the most learned people in TTI. Now, he was one of the 12 scientists that could do this whole save and reset routine, the only one that survived. Does he or does he not have a rainbow bridge? Uh, I, I don't know. You know, he's, he's gone insane, possibly is dead now. He's vanished for sure. Uh, he does have a number of monsters, uh, in far, far soul orbit around the edges of the solar system. Rainbow Bridge? I couldn't say. Oh, Heimdall! I get it. (laughs) Sorry, I'm a pedant. (laughs) Oh, God. Anyway, the story is that, that TTI can do this test and reset project and they do it over and over again each time they have 12 scientists that get together in a magic circle call down the rainbow bridge and use that to reset the universe again and again and again at the final attempt to perform this science ritual thing only one scientist returns and he is captured in the clutches of something like but not quite exactly like a whisper and the timing of all this very closely parallels the whisper invasions when TTI says, we've got a whisper. This is what they're referring to. They didn't really capture it. It just showed up with the body of one of their scientists in its little claws. What we know from the book and what Ashtar just kind of pre-spoiled is that during this time, they weren't resetting a time loop. They were just jumping between dimensions and returning home over and over again. We talked about this with the Hydra. When the Hydra learns something, it is able to access it and use it again through something like the laws of contagion in magic. So once it's encountered a biological creature, it can do things with that biological creature's body and imitate it or something like that later on. It learns by something like infection. And in creating these endless loops, they gave Hydra so much information about soul. Anyway, that's the secret history. Now you can turn your radio back on. I'm not sure how that'll work. We are generally agreed that this was not a good thing. Yeah, that's that's true. It is kind of responsible for their vast technological jumps forward over the next 50 years. But it's generally proven not to be good for Terra. The, the important thing that people want to know is what kind of consumer products does TTI sell? Well, we're glad you asked. Pokemon. Oh, okay. I mean, that's a, a humorous exaggeration for effect, but they do do a lot of designer life forms. And the big one is the Transcendent Implants, which we know of about, a, a, what, eight or ten of them, I think, and these give you space wizard powers. They may have some minor ones as well, where we, we don't know, or more than the original eight to ten list. Are these literally consumer products that are just running around for anybody who's willing to pay or have them stuck in their heads? Yes. Wow. Okay. Stuck to their souls. Well, in in second ed, they developed sort of a lower power threshold. They weren't necessarily going to make you explode into a giant fire elemental or some such. So they're probably a little bit safer to use. Then you can just use them to, like, warm up your coffee or whatever. But um, in first ed, they had a bad habit of exploding. Just one botch roll, or if you use too many of them too close together, they could go foom. 
now I think that you have to have like the ability to really like channel this transcendent radiation energy. The radiant trait? Yeah, the radiant trait to really make them do big things. Otherwise you're just stuck in the, like the phone app level of power. Which really those those levels of power aren't so different from what you get with just a really good surgery of some other type. Okay. But unlike other surgeries, if you get oh, annihilated and then rebuilt from like a clone or something, you still have that implant. Yeah, yeah, half the time the implant travels with you, very much like the way you can't get rid of a whisper infection. Penicillin, maybe. Yeah, transcendent implants, they don't go away when you, even when you like destroy the body and use teletrans to move it across the solar system, you might come back with the implant. It becomes a part of you. It's probably because it's rippling through um, space-time, like the Hydra accesses information. Which is really useful, because otherwise people would very quickly start having some real hard questions about this whole far travel thing. There is a suggestion that every single creature has like a transcendent code number effectively or call it a soul if you like that identifies them and put number in quotes some identifying string that makes them truly unique and maybe that number is what the things are attaching to i don't know tti scientists sometimes talk about souls and they just sound kind of crazy in this year 700 universe we're in it's also possible that that transcendent implant is being implanted to every copy of you across every dimension simultaneously so Simply removing it from one echoes it right back from everywhere else that's been implanted. Huh. I could buy that. Good, because I just made it up, but it sounds plausible. No, no, plus one. We'll, we'll believe again. <laughs> Uses of TTI in your game and in the universe. I think we are talking about this earlier. It's kind of hard to get isolated TTI because they don't play well with others necessarily more so than some a TTI campaign might be benefited by being a TTI campaign because then you can do things like the Men in Black or Ghostbusters which are kind of two flavors of the same thing I like the idea of TTI as a Ghostbusters type campaign where you run around debunking things and capturing transcendent manifestations and it's a little bit more high energy and wacky I think those TTI agents do exist in the book kind of running around making sure that we don't blow ourselves up in a nice way but the flip side of that is the Men in Black, where you go and shut things down, uh, preserve TTI's secrets, uh, protect soul at any cost. Those are kind of two different versions of the same basic idea. One is friendlier. But much like the Men in Black, it never ceases to be wacky. Eh, fair. <laughs> See, uh, Space Wizards, we've joked about this an awful lot, uh, TTI does seem to fill the void of magic in this game. They are kind of space wizards, although technology is so advanced that they're not necessarily head and shoulders above or more mysterious than what you can do just with technology. Yeah, but the recent novel, Blood in the Mists, I think it really breaks down the line between science and magic quite a bit. We start getting more into psychic phenomena and spirits than previously HSD had hinted at to the point where I asked Emmy if it was canon and she said, yeah. So I think that TTI can go in directions that really get away from how I would define science personally, or like a hard sci-fi fan would consider science. I think it's actually worth bringing up that TTI is probably one of the only megacorps that really has a big player character versus non-player character element to it, because the transcendent implants and the transcendent powers and the 
hate to say technology, but the TTI technology that the players can get their hands on is really just a very small segment of what TTI can actually bring to the table and what TTI can actually contain within the Megacorp and within the lore. And it's not quite the same with any of the other Megacorps. The storyteller has a lot more freedom with TTI to throw just completely weird, non-logical concepts or non-logical story elements in that don't need a grounding in technology. It's just happening because it's uh, transcendent. And it does stand a little bit alone among the Megacorps uh, from a storytelling aspect. That probably depends on your game master and how close they want to adhere to canon, because there are kind of discrete lists of the alternate universes that TTI can access most commonly. There's discrete list of the number of glyphs they're able to use, and not a lot of hints that there's more than that, but I think that's totally up to your storyteller's improvisational tendencies. One thought I have is, are the players that want to play TTI, are they the chaotic neutrals? Are they are they the chaotic neutral player characters? I... I would say as a rule, no, if only because the player characters they are playing TTI are generally going to be not deep in the secrecy, not deep in the conspiracy. And for most vectors, TTI is just another megacorp. Yeah, their catalog is pretty weird, but hey, you know, do you want to go browse the TTI catalog or the Pulse catalog today? And, and that's about as deep as people go. That is hard for me to wrap my mind around because they seem so mad science and mad science also having a shop in the mall. (laughs) That's tough. That's tough. But I mean, I guess Girl Genius shows us a model of that, a world where mad science is very integrated in everything. When you make mad science a commodity, it it becomes very commercial. Their main stock in trade is designer life forms. They do pets. They do walking, talking telephones, that sort of thing. They make critters and animal living creature-based tools. That's their main product. The transcendent implants are also very exciting. That's something that not everybody has access to necessarily. They're kind of expensive. But you might get a cuddly, squeaky, triple-type thing for your daughter for her birthday or something like that, and it might be from DTI or a subsidiary corporation. Which is actually interesting because that is yet another monopoly that TTI has. Do we want to talk about the bioprobes at this point or is this a later discussion? We could certainly start. Because the bioprobes are, I mean you can't really call them not soul-based, but they are not vector-based or they're not human-based, but they're also not transcendent. They are legitimately alien. Yes and no, because a vector could theoretically become a bioprobe eventually if they had enough modifications. That's kind of what is the definition of bioprobe. Bioprobe is something that is a sufficiently powerful thing that is not identified as a vector. And is combined with enough of the ground-up DNA crap that they found floating around in Europa's seas. I don't know. A pulse vector could become a bioprobe technically, because that's a legal designation as well about just something that's that's not a vector anymore. Both have truth in them. I think I think that the the connotative meaning of bioprobe is this rugose thing that TTI uses to dive under the ocean or fly ships around or whatever. But I think it also has the meaning of something that's become bigger than a vector. I think both are true. Okay. I, I'll grant you that the bioprobe might not be the best description that I was using then, but there is very definitely kind of the alien DNA that was floating around uh, yes. that was pulled to create a lot of TTI technology and a lot of TTI... Right. In, in a f- 
fit of brilliant marketing cleverness, they put a lot of weird tripartite fang and tentacle DNA into animal DNA stock and created a lot of strange organisms to sell and distribute. And some of those things can draw on like transcendent power. Certainly the TTI ships give out more energy than they take in. They discovered Cthulhu sleeping under the ocean and they drew his blood and started hybridizing. Yeah, <laughs> effectively, yes. But I guess we probably will go into that a bit more when we get to like TTI world later on. But TTI is mad science. I think that that's one direction you can go. By the standards of like tech level 10.5 or whatever we are at in Seoul, they do operate in a realm of science man was not meant to know. And that's kind of the TTI that Progenis would warn you about is this cackling mad, mad science. That definitely does exist. That is canon. That is lore. But that's also kind of big picture in a sense. You can certainly drill that down and get lower level slices of TTI. TTI is also integrated paranoia, industrial paranoia. They are the paranoia group. Yeah. You have institutional paranoia. That's the one I was actually looking for. And there's probably levels of secrets. I mean, when you get into like transcendent technology, yes, there are deep and profound secrets there that go back to before soul civilization. There are writings that Hein, Tein Heimdall, Hein Heimdall, which is it? Hein Heimdall, I think. That's what you said earlier. Heimdall, Heimdall. I think it is Heimdall. I think circling back to what you were saying, Wines, are are they, are, do they come across as crazy uh, mad scientist types or are they people you might meet in the shopping mall? I think both, depending on how far into the corporation you are, you're going to get very secretive and very dark. A PC could be a wacky mad science character. They're not likely to advance very far in TTI if they're doing that sort of thing. But there um, might be a very good reason why they're not in a TTI research team if they're doing the mad scientist thing. Right, right. Um, that's probably someone that left the company because they wouldn't understand them, but someday he'll show them, show them all. <laughs> I mean, TTI employees are scientists. They're very weird science scientists, and they call themselves bone crafters or spirit beacons or whatever. Um, their science has a lot of mysticism in it, but they still do see themselves as scientists and they wear lab coats. Are they crazy? Probably not. Uh, most of them are going to be fairly down-to-earth, rational creatures. They're just working with very strange energies. If they're all crazy, then are any of them really crazy? I think that they're more like <laughs> they're more like hermetic wizards than mad scientists. They have energy that works if you perform these basic sequences and steps. It's just not energy as we currently understand it on this planet. And I think that dial can definitely be dialed up or dialed back. I mean, if you want something that's floating some X-Files energy, TTI could work wonderfully for that. And that's all the hint of mystery or the... Okay, well, it started out as the hint of mystery, the hint of aliens, without ever explicitly actually showing or telling. It was all just kind of the aura and the mystery. That changed, but, you know, as it does, you could also do some of the... Area 52 type stuff. You could do some of the SCP type stuff. You could do, as you said, the Men in Black starts getting a little bit more comedic, but it's got the same type of concept. This is your conspiracy theorist writ real, whereas Spyglass is more of the conspiracy theorist that maybe exists, maybe doesn't. Well, I think also if you're maybe if you're working in the more bioprobe biotechnology area, maybe you could manage to have a slightly more whimsical character there. I feel like anybody that really understands the deep magic of transcendent technology, there, there's a layer of responsibility that the company seems to deal with. They know the consequences of their actions, 
And I think if you're part of the deeper magic of Transcendent Land, then you probably do have some of that mantle of responsibility wrapped around you. There's also but, the concept of when you stare into the abyss, the abyss stares back. That the higher level TTI that understand some of these greater truths about the universe are going to be a little bit out there just by definition of their perspective on life dimensions and what really is. But I bet a custom life form marketing rep could really come across as a mad scientist character in a good way. <laughs> I'm imagining that now. At TTI, we're crazy for great values and low prices <laughs> on constructed <laughs> organisms. Imagine your dining room with a constructed organism. <laughs> <laughs> so you can kind of go crazy on rumors and alternate theories and conspiracy bits with TTI because that's kind of what they are as a corporation. But there are a couple of big ones. Actually, I've lost the book. Hang on. <laughs> to the archives. The book of knowledge, the book of power, the book of secrets. The book I forgot to read while writing my show notes. <laughs> well, let's see. What what do people think they know about transcendent technology? Uh, the bioships are much more powerful than DDI would ever let anybody know. I mean, just look at how dangerous orca probes are and magnify that by 10. Obviously, they're capable of anything. They can teleport. They probably can steer themselves without any trouble at all. And they're just barely under TTI's control. They can eat their entire crew in an emergency to keep going. Right, and, and, and they have. I mean, <laughs> we've got pictures. Yeah, the, the IRPF ships just sit at dock, whereas the bioprobes, they're working out. <laughs> the entire whisper threat and all that crap on Earth is entirely TTI invention, and they can get past it at any point in time. That's all manufactured to keep themselves in power and to make sure they have a hold over the solar system. Oh, that, that's one of the, the theories? It's something that people probably say about them over beer and probably more often in progenitus territory than anywhere else. But I don't think anybody believes they... Nobody would really want to believe they have a, that kind of absolute power. But they can certainly get into Terran orbit and squeak past the Ruby Spire if they really want to. Uh, people like believing some effed up shit. Sure, sure. I do kind of wonder um, if there were any surprises on Europa when TTI got there because they knew a lot before. They did a lot of research there. So the entire scenario with the bio, with the Orca bioprobes, depending on how dark you wanted your campaign to go, that might have been planned from the beginning. They might have known that they were creating these life forms that would live forever on, on transcendent radiation. I don't think they could have possibly known how big and how weird they've gotten or that they can hop between dimensions now. But at least the beginnings of the consequences of landing on Europa, they probably had a good idea of. Well, you can't let any other megacorps get a research team in there. No, no. Right, Harry. I wonder if TTI is actually a Terran corporation. They might be, because there was that transcendent lab with Echo Technology. That information somehow left that lab to get to Mars uh, later on, so there must have been some some agents sharing data or something because that was a very top secret project on a lab that was destroyed by Hydra <laughs> I mean it says a few times in the source material no one has a copy of the Hydra virus or knows anything about it but information escaped so maybe they were operating on both planets at the same time I don't think we know, we can't know but there was information that was available on Sol. here's a question 
is the reason TTI steering away from the Ruby Spire because they've already experienced the raid on the Ruby Spire? If I had the technology to, to press the reset button, even if I knew the consequences, would a raid on the Spire be worth bringing out the special magic robes and echo implants to try one last time to make sure that we don't destroy the universe? Seems pretty likely. Yeah. So they may have already seen the doom that is to come to Sharnoth. Alternate reading of that is who says they stopped at 15. I mean, most of them aren't around anymore. They might be over on iteration 16 or 17. They could have seen how this was going and went, okay, we've got all the information we need. Enjoy your doom. Yeah, it's possible that scientist number 10 is going to warp in at the last minute and say, no, don't do it. (laughs) Also, I have two hearts. Or at the end of the raid in a really badly run campaign, someone could press the dig red button and rewind to the beginning and say, that's why we didn't do that. (laughs) It was all a dream. Um, Don't do that. Don't do that in your campaign. I'm judging you. Yes. I'm also imagining the accountants at TTI. The poor, poor accountants. Accountants are very sensible people, and it's, it's their job. Imagine being an accountant for TTI. Can't be worse than being an accountant at Pulse. No, I think accountants are used to Pulse's flavor of, of crazy. Okay. It's called the entertainment industry. Fair. I mean, you've got your ledger. You've got the numbers on one side. You've got the numbers on the other side. We'll give you... Electronic pieces of paper with more numbers. Your job is to make the numbers match up. Nothing crazy here. Or or hide things in them, but... Whichever. Oh, another rumor. Uh, the Harbingers. Harbingers? Harbingers. Harbingers. Harbingers, yeah. So this is a university, which is kind of like a cult. Well, okay, in, in Seoul, universities are secret code words for Lovecraftian cults. The Harbingers Just... of Rock. I don't know. Insert guitar riff here. So, on the short list of known universities, which are all dangerous terrorist organizations, there is the Harpingers, and they have access to transcendent lore that very few other people have access to. And they use them to create, among other creatures, the Whites, which is like a new form of transcendent life that is kind of, like, moored to a specific time-space on a kata location and will destroy people to get anywhere near it. And they have other things as well. One question is, is this a university like a dangerous cult or is it just another TTI lab? We don't really know. There's kind of a lot of overlap between university and lab. That makes sense. Well, no, no, no. You know, again, university is like university TM. It's a trademark term in HSD that means insane cult. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, Not- <laughs> I'll still make that statement. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll buy, buy it. it. There comes a time in each man's life when he can't even believe his own eyes. Well, after your description, I don't think I'd want to see it either. Well, next episode, we will be covering life in a TTI town and the kind of people you beat there. And then after that, I think we're going to be finished with our major plot arc. Again, it would be great if you could, if you as the audience, both of you, would be willing to provide questions about the corporations that we didn't answer, topics about the big seven that you'd like to hear touched on, and we'll do like a 20 questions wrap-up of the corporations before we go down our next major road. 
that'd be very welcome. Uh, email me, email us at radiofreedemos at gmail.com or Twitter at R-F-D-E-I-M-O-S. Uh, yeah, all that. Or, or say hi to me on Discord. But now I think that'll bring us to uh, what's awesome this week. Uh, news from the world of news and such that we found interesting. Since we're on a, a, a small orbiting entity and I have to get most of my uh, giant robot ball kicks in VR, which is mostly te- leading to, to me testing the relative material strengths of wall plates and hyena skull. <laughs> some, some interesting developments in new VR headsets. Uh, a, a neat new feature is having a tiny little infrared camera inside of the visor that can watch your eyebrows and eyes to, to, to give expression. And also another little camera below the nose piece which watches your mouth so it can do mouth mapping which you know my first thought of course is that's awesome and my second thought is sneeze cam Uh. (laughs) fun article in popular mechanics animals keep evolving into crabs which is somewhat disturbing apparently three times in evolutionary history crustaceans have turned into crabs so there interesting have you heard about a similar concept with saber-toothed tigers that apparently they have evolved multiple times from different sources. Yeah, just kind of the illogical extreme of cat development. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The bigger the fangs, the better the cat. Therefore... Right. Logically, at some point, we're going to have saber-toothed crabs. I think that's what we're saying. (laughs) (laughs) Crab-toothed tigers. (laughs) So recently we had a couple of interesting articles about the moon. There is a large crack in the moon that is widening at a... uh, surprising pace and scientists aren't sure why split in half that happens a lot in sci-fi also in a lot of uh sci-fi it it turns out that the moon is an egg that hatches and releases either an alien or a dragon or some other you know beast that devours the earth or something Uh, a swarm of murder hornets (laughs) lunar murder hornets yes the other big announcement is that there's a surprisingly large amount of water on the moon which nasa just figured out after sitting with the moon for who knows how many hundreds of years now. Yeah, the, the, the cost of a bottle of Dysani on the moon is obscene. So that is super great, great news. In unrelated news, Nestle has announced their first moon mission launch is uh, planned for 2021. <laughs> well, they were talking about using urine to do 3D printing of buildings on the moon, so you're going to need some water, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> The, the, the previous plan was just tell, tell the astronauts, drink a lot before we launch. <laughs> <laughs> New season of Animaniacs, uh, November 20th. That's really exciting. I suspect they're waiting for November 20th so they know who to make fun of in the theme song. I, I kind of want to make a reference to the uh, the scandal with the, the Burger King uh, Animaniacs toys, but, but I won't because it's kind of adult. Well, the only other thing that's really come across recently is... Somewhat old news at this point, but you can be forgiven for having missed it in the headlines lately, is that NASA is taking a big look at, I believe it's Psyche 16, which is a one of the largest metal asteroids that we have in the solar system. And it's uh, thought to be largely iron and nickel, as in enough iron to run about 10,000 quadrillion dollars on current rates. Good lord. Um, that's, that's about... 10 with about 18 zeros following it. Are there any copper asteroids? (laughs) But the interesting thing about this asteroid is that especially being an iron and nickel 
core, this is kind of the same makeup that we expect for a planetary core. So there's some theorizing that this is an early planet that basically had its um, mantle stripped off, either through being a regular orbit or collisions with other celestial bodies. So I'm going to ask a question, and I'm going to do it in Wines' voice if you think it's a Wines question. How much is $17 quadrillion in nickels? <laughs> That's a lot of nickels. And how much is it in zinc pennies? <laughs> okay, you bettered me. Okay, well, we will see y'all soon. I hope that the uh, world we're in in a few weeks is a non-dystopian future. We'll find out. But until then, stay warm, take care, and catch the outro line. Intro music is Future Club and outro music is Tronicles, both by Serious Beat. This podcast is copyright 2017 by Radio Free Demos and may be used in any not-for-profit project with appropriate credit and notification. Check out our website, RadioFreeDemos.com, that's D-E-I-M-O-S, for more rambling, resources, links to official and fan-driven content, and our full catalog of episodes. And look for us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play.